0: all right folks listen up uh you're listening <laughs> to the what's right show sam rajofsky here uh news talk 840 KXNT, nt live and local from beautiful downtown las vegas yes uh, this is a real radio show coming to you from downtown. Uh, I, think I'm the, I think I'm the one of the only ones, uh, certainly, that uh, addresses the issues that we do here, which is, of course, common sense conservatism. Delivered daily, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock, that's next week. This week, it's still 2. So today and tomorrow, 2 o'clock, but starting on Monday... Big news, the show will be on live starting at 1 p.m. each day for two hours. I cannot wait uh, to have that time with you. Really excited about that, folks. I don't know if you saw this because it's been developing today, but Hunter Biden has come clean. He has admitted that his uh, laptop from hell is in fact his. So he's come out and said, I, look, it's, it's mine. And by the way, this is all through lawyers. And, and I'll explain what this means because I can see through the strategy that the uh, Team Hunter Biden is uh, employing here. So his attorneys have issued a number of letters, including to top Justice Department and Delaware Attorney General office uh, litigators prosecutors asking that this matter be investigated now look I, I mean you've seen what's on this thing right uh, it's not just all uh, f- the, the quick stuff right is the or the easy stuff is the pictures of him naked with guns with with crack cocaine pipes sexually abusing women demeaning his own assistant sending her texts telling her she would only get a raise if she performed sexual acts on him. Things like this are on the laptop from hell. But it's not just that stuff. It is also evidence of serious crimes, wrongdoings, and some of which implicate, of course, President Biden, his brother, and other family members. So you would think, friends, our conventional thinking here would be that Uh, This would be the kind of material that would make one want to hide and disappear and, uh, you know, basically die spontaneously of embarrassment. But no, this is not the way the Biden brain works. So what his legal team now has done, Hunter Biden's legal team, is sent letters to the attorney general's office in Delaware where this laptop was left at a repair shop where it was abandoned. I don't want to get into the intricacies of bailment law, but you know, when you leave personal property someplace where you owe a bill, that personal property can revert to the ownership or convert to the ownership of the person that you're, you, know, you owe a debt to. Just like if you drop, you know, your car off at at a a repair shop and you owe a big bill and you never go and pick up your car and you never pay the bill. And eventually the shop is able to, in most jurisdictions, uh, take possession of that vehicle, sell it. And that is precisely what happened here with the laptop. But uh, Hunter Biden and his lawyers are looking to actually sick the Justice Department and Uh, sick the uh, Attorney General's office in the state of Delaware on this repair shop owner for taking the laptop and turning it over to Rudy Giuliani. Now, you know the story. I'm not going to go through that whole thing. Uh, I'm just going to tell you quickly here. I don't think they've got a leg to stand on, but it, it is a move that is not without moxie because, you know, for the most average among us here, if we were suddenly... I don't know, if somebody got, a, got their hands on a hard drive, on a filing cabinet, on a laptop, whatever have you, filled to the brim with evidence of our wrongdoing, we would want to flee that scene as fast as we possibly could, but not Hunter Biden. Hunter, team Hunter Biden is, they're going, they're saying, hey, we need you to investigate all these people who have disseminated private information. And I tell you, my takeaway here is, uh, you get the sense. Uh, I know the left likes to throw around the word or the phrase, white privilege. Well, I have a new phrase for you. Democrat privilege. That's right. Imagine living as a, we'll call, we'll call Hunter Biden a, a, a likely white-collar criminal imagine living as a likely white-collar criminal based on what I've seen in this laptop there are some very serious allegations that can be made of of some significant crimes at the very least tax evasion but listen just throwing that off to a side for a minute there are there's a liability here no doubt imagine having the confidence that you can go to the FBI, Justice Department, right? Go to the feds. You can go to the attorney general in the state. And they are going to go and look at this and help you. It is unbelievable. Name me one Republican that would feel comfortable going to the FBI for help. If the facts were analogous or aligned in any way closely to what is occurring here with Hunter Biden, the answer is, I, I can't think of one. And so, you know, my takeaway as I see this story here is, is you know, I, oh, by the way, there's been some developments. You see that the FBI wants to build, I, this is a great story. They want to build a new headquarters. It's going to rival the size of the Pentagon. The building that they are in now uh, apparently has become a bit cramped so they are they are looking to develop a new site for the uh, headquarters of the FBI even more people more agents more partisan investigators law enforcement officers quote unquote to find track down persecute republicans while helping hunter biden and his uh, father and uncles uh, you know with with their with their you know with with all with what's going on here no wonder we on the other side of the aisle are a little bit leery of these folks um, and, and 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 I'll tell you this just again as a lawyer looking at what these demands are this of course could spectacularly backfire I'm just letting you know that The fact that his lawyers are doing this and feel confident that they can go on the offensive here uh, belies a certain headiness that comes with knowing that the odds are stacked in the Biden's favor. And I will, you know, I will let that sink in. All right, I'm going to take a quick break now so we can get to the rest of the program. I'm Yeah, I want to get into a little bit, uh, again, a little bit of follow-up here on the presidential race. Of course, we heard yesterday that uh, middle of the month here, a couple weeks, Nikki Haley is looking to enter the race. And then, of course, because one of my greatest fears always for Nevada, particularly Las Vegas, is that we follow in the footsteps of what is going on uh, to the west of us in the state of California that... All the Californians coming here to Nevada will bring with them some of their political ideas and orientations. I got to tell you what's going on in San Francisco. It, it, it's going, it's getting bad. And at some point, things get so bad that there's going to be a, a serious correction. It's just human nature. And I'll explain what I mean by that when I return. Sam Marjofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Friends, Sam Rajovsky here, uh, News Talk 840 KXNT, live and local. You're listening to the What's Bright Show. Last week of us being only one hour, beginning on Monday, we will be here Monday through Friday, uh, starting at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. There we go. I know how to count. My hours, uh, two hours every day starting at 1. Uh, I think this is going to be fabulous, by the way, as the run-up to the presidential uh, election of twenty four heats up. We have lots going on. The primaries are going to be as the cool kids say, lit. yeah, I think that's that's what they say it's something is lit it's it's hip, it's going on it's you know it's got some energy. and there is little down in my mind uh that the Republican primaries will be interesting. I also think, of course, that uh it will be a little interesting on the Democratic side. Do not get distracted by all the back and forth about Trump, about Nikki Haley, about uh, Governor DeSantis. This, there is equal drama under the placid or seemingly placid surface of the water on the Democrat side. There are, there are significant power players that want to see Joe Biden out want to see him take, you know, take a bow and exit, exit stage left. Like that's what they want to see. And, you know, the interesting thing is though, that as far as talent on the, on the Democrat side, you know, it's pretty thin. And, and I say this too, you know, you talk to Democrats, if you actually sit down with, with folks that and I'm not. I'm not even talking about Nevada Democrats. You talk. You talk to national Democrats. They will. They, the name that they throw out the most often is Gavin Newsom. <laughs> yes, the Republican. Uh, excuse me, Democrat governor of California, uh, Gavin Newsom. If, if he's the former mayor, yes, this is exactly where I'm going. With. He's the former mayor of San Francisco, and he is. Well, let me put it to you this way. He's um, Everything he touches turns to, <clears throat> yes, uh, animal manure. Now, his legacy in San Francisco, I, before Gavin Newsom became mayor of San Francisco, I'll tell you this, SF was recovering from the 70s and 80s and actually turning into a decent city. I may have mentioned this here a couple times. I, at one point in my life, I was interested and had was keenly, I guess, exploring the opportunity of of moving to to the city. And it was I was looking to get into law school. I applied to a number of law schools in San Francisco. There was one very good law school in San Francisco that accepted me, and that law school was. Uh, well, I'll tell you, was we had given me money, you know, which always helps. You get a little scholarship money, and it takes the edge off of the insane tuition rates. And, you know, the wife and I, we had kids. You know, our son was very little at this point, and we had a, a, our middle daughter was a baby. And, and we thought, you know, this might be kind of a fun opportunity to get out of, at this time, we were living in Orange County in Southern California. We're going to move to the city. It's a fun place to be. It was, we would be able to walk. I I mean, some of these drug scenes now in the tenderloin if you're familiar with this over which is by city hall where the opera is i, I mean it is these are the, these areas that were beautiful parks 10 years ago have turned into giant open air drug markets there's no other way to describe it so there's a new campaign out in conjunction with the city of San Francisco, in fact, uh, I think it's the uh, uh, San Francisco Department of Public Health, and a group called harmreduction.org, and this, uh, they're, they're working on this drug overdose prevention education project. Now, you're probably thinking, why do I care about this? I live, in, I live in Las Vegas, Sam. I never wanted to live in San Francisco, so leave me alone with this. Oh, not so fast. You know, we've got a mayoral election here in Las Vegas in 24. And this election, friends, could make or break our city. There are, there is at least one person running, Cedric Creer, uh, who is a more aligned with the way people think in San Francisco than the way people think uh, here in Nevada, and it is absolutely, it will be absolutely essential that we not allow happen to us what is happening in cities run by liberals across the country. So this is why I bring this up because this is a cautionary tale. So the San Francisco Department of Public Health, they have put out an ad campaign to help, according to them, to help with the drug epidemic that is running rampant across the city. And what they're doing is they're putting up ads. And we're going to put this up here on our Instagram, What's Right Show, and Twitter, What's Right Show, for you to see this. No overdose. And by the way, it shows these, well, there's a, uh, how do I describe this nicely? Uh, there's an uh, African-American man in a wheelchair. Then there's a, a person of color on the ground with a beanie. There's a, a, a white lady, um, a white guy, and, a, and a, a, another person of color in the background. They're having a great time doing drugs together. And this campaign goes, no overdose. Do it with friends is what the ad encourages people to do. Use meaning use drugs, with people and take turns. Try not to use alone or have someone check on you. There's another one uh, here that says no overdose. Take it easy. Go slow and use less at first to test the strength of your drugs. (laughs) Change it up. There's another one. It shows a group of, um, I don't know, uh, well, there's a trans person it looks like in this ad, so they're 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 really trying to a broad appeal at least I can't even tell. maybe there are two trans people in this ad. Change it up. Try ingesting or smoking uh, instead of snorting. Now, what's the problem with it? by the way, there's more of these, and they're they're all over buses, they're all over bus stops. This city has decided that the way that they're going to take care of illicit drug use is by encouraging people to do more of it, making it fun, and make it safe. And my point on this is, as I examine the kind of stuff that's coming out of L.A., San Francisco, other, other cities, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, I, I gotta think that at some point there are even reasonable people on the left that get that have it have enough of this that at some point having to go to a coffee shop to see a friend and step over people who have literally needles sticking out of their arms is. Enough to turn an otherwise left-wing person into a moderate, if not extreme, radical Republican. I saw a Twitter thread uh, last week, and it, 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 this was before this, I saw this ad campaign, so this is why I printed it out and I had it ready to go, of a lady, a very successful tech executive, lamenting how far her city, the city of San Francisco, had fallen. And by the way, I will tell you, as a business owner in downtown Las Vegas, the number one biggest problem that we have are people that are homeless, are criminal miscreants, and who are high on drugs. And there might be some mental you know, issues there as well, but, but it's, it's that combination. Homeless, criminally inclined. And who are absolutely bombed out of their minds on on crack, on on fentanyl, whatever else they're on. This lady in San Francisco, Michelle Tandler, writes, Last night I went to a bar downtown San Francisco. It looked like a dystopia. By the way, this lady is an admitted left-wing Democrat. She writes, I saw hundreds of people folded over, likely high on fentanyl. Or sitting on the sidewalk smoking. Yeah, I, I relate to this. I, I, outside my office. And, and by the way, this, is, this will preclude me from ever running for public office. You know I, I, you know, I have a female business partner. There are a lot of young w- women that work in my office. You know, it's up to me to chase these people off my property. And I do it. Uh, and you ought to see me out there. I'm I'm a block warden on my corner. I keep my corner perfect and clean. I bring in for our Sam and Ash headquarters. I bring in the, the power washing people come in. I clean at my expense the city sidewalks around my business because that's my belief. That's my that's my duty as a business owner trying to reclaim and make downtown more beautiful. We're or if you don't know this, our office in the Arts District. So I know I'm coming up against a break here. I'm going to have to I'll take, a, take a little break. But, but friends, I, I, there's something that's going to have to happen here. I think, and hear me out on this, I think at some point it will get so bad in a city like San Francisco that even the left-wing fanatics will say enough is enough. Remember that beatnik uh, guy that owned the gallery that was hosing down the homeless person in front of his business because he'd had enough? That was a liberal guy. That wasn't like a, you know, crazy right-wing conservative person. I think we're having enough. I want, we had to have a conversation about this when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The What's Right Show. will be back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Salmon Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SalmonAshLaw.com. Oh, my gosh, yes. Don't let me forget talk about masks. I feel like those are on the upswing for whatever reason. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, samandashlaw.com, samandashlaw.com, because you deserve lawyers that share your values. Uh, I am perplexed by the number of people driving alone in their cars wearing masks. I'm also per, I'm perplexed a little bit. I, was, I had a flight to Florida this past weekend and I'm on the plane and uh, the wife and I are sitting, you know, it was a Southwest flight, so we're sitting in a, I have the aisle seat, uh, Sherry's in the middle seat, and then there's a person, a lady sitting in the window. She had one of the most intense looking masks i've ever seen, I thought maybe she was planning to throw a smoke bomb uh in the middle of a flight or attack us with with ricin or something because it was it was no it was a legit like a almost a gas mask it was made out of heavy duty plastic um and it looked tremendously uncomfortable and then we landed in Vegas and she had i guess then took it off and put on an N95 mask. So she made us. I, I, where I'm going with this is, it, it seems to me there is a certain section of our population that just will always give in to fear. And there is no reasoning, there is no... Um, there's no moderating it. There's no getting through to it. It's, it's not a, there's no true belief about science or anything of that type. It has nothing to do with any of that. It is so bad that now Colbert, that's right, yes, Colbert, last night, started making fun of all the masks in his audience. Listen to this. This has
1: been a long time coming. I wish you could see the smiles on the faces of my audience, and I wish I could too because they're still wearing masks.
0: Oh, this is bad. You know, when I, you know when Stephen Colbert is taunting you for wearing a mask that maybe, you know, you've maybe taken it a step too far. That's right. During Tuesday's night taping of the nightly show, Colbert mocked the Biden administration's announcement that it was planning to end the federal state of emergency. Um, he kind of goes, he says, makes this joke. Take that, COVID. We beat you. And then he turned around and, and, and basically made fun of the audience. Now, I have a photo here. That's right. I have a photo of Stephen Colbert's studio audience. And um, this is at the Ed Sullivan Theater. At the same time, literally every single one of them is wearing a mask. And I, what I couldn't tell here from the article is if that is a requirement and I wouldn't, by the way, I wouldn't put it past Colbert and his production team to demand that everybody wear a mask and then sit there and make fun of them. That is a top-level liberal move. Um, but I, you know, it just, it's, it's absolutely perplexing to me because, by the way, you're on an airplane. I don't know how much a mask is going to help you. And and this woman, incidentally, sitting in my row, she would take it off frequently because it was freaking uncomfortable. You could tell it was pressing against the bridge of her nose or cheeks. Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. All right, fine. Let's, well, I was, getting, right before the break, we were talking about the homeless in San Francisco, the homeless here in Las Vegas, this a problem that is, Um, one of the great big left-wing bugaboos, right? We are constantly being berated about how we need to care for the homeless. The reality is, as with so many political topics, there is a tremendous divide between what people say they want to do and what they're thinking on the inside, privately, about what the solution is that they want And it's very relevant here because I see now as we are gearing up for a major race for mayor here in Las Vegas. And I see some of the folks on the left lining up and there, many of them are, well, I would say they are the kind of types that run around not using the phrase or the word homeless, instead uh, calling them the unhoused in uh, other politically correct terms, I, the, the impression I get is that they are the coddlers. They would want to dismantle whatever, uh, frankly, minimal efforts we have here to combat homelessness. Uh, and, 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 and the truth is, there, one doesn't have to look any further than L.A. or San Francisco to see just how wretched the liberal approach to solving homelessness is, which is, of course, to encourage more homelessness. I shared right before the break. These advertisements that are being put up by the city of San Francisco encouraging people to do drugs but to do it safely because that's what we want. I want you hanging out by – the photos are great. We're going to put it up on our What's Right Show Instagram, What's What's Right Show Twitter so you can see this. It's really showing people out on the street doing drugs. How the hell are you in your right mind as a paid-for person working for the city, working for – If I live there for me, the taxpayer, encouraging people to shoot up drugs in front of my business. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you decide to go shoot up drugs in front of my business. I'm going to deal with you. All right. And I'm going to deal with you because that's my business. That's my building. That's my corner here in town that I, when I moved, (laughs) when I moved to the arts district here in Las Vegas, and set up Salmonash Injury Law right there on the corner of Charleston and Casino Center, I vowed that I would do everything possible to help revitalize my little corner in our city. And the reason for that is, is that I could not more emphatically believe that you don't have a city, you don't have a soul as a city if you don't have a vibrant downtown, without a vibrant downtown, we're just a collection of suburbs, right? Vegas can't just be Summerlin. It can't be Anthem. It can't be Spring Valley. It can't be, you know, mountains. It can't be these, you can't just be a collection of, of little hangout areas that people uh, kind of, kind of just, just mill about in. There has to be a heart, a center, a downtown, you go to LA; the downtown is, is is a wasteland now. It's literally one enormous, giant public toilet where you will get robbed or worse. So people don't go to it. It doesn't have a soul, and so people just kind of distribute all around the surrounding areas, and, and it's not a real city. So Vegas, you know, I, I'm I'm a firm believer in the eventual reclamation of downtown Las Vegas. The arts district, of course, is phenomenal. If you haven't had a chance to visit, you got to come down. Great restaurants, great coffee shops. Um, and and we do have a little bit of that, that homeless element, but the business owners, together with the police, are fairly proactive. And that's how you fix it. But we also don't have a city government working against us. We have cops that are willing to respond. We have, forget Metro, because they're a little busy and stuff but the city of las vegas sends out marshals you know there's a separate police force for the city of las vegas and they come out and they oh they don't (laughs) they don't mess around you know and and we are this uh election we have up is coming up in 24 is so consequential because the mayor sets the tone and the agenda for how we approach this problem so now going back to my original posit on this i think i think friends That what we are seeing in California, the extreme capitulation to homeless filth permeating every corner of once great American cities will turn the tide. At some point, even bleeding heart left wing lunatics are going to look at it and say, how much human crap am I willing to step in every day? That makes my belief system worth it. There is something about stepping in human and I have to be careful, I don't want to say the word but there is something about stepping in human excrement that really makes you rethink your, your decisions in life. I'm, well, I'm not kidding. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. You, you, I always joke San Francisco. I have two dogs that I adore. Uh, I always joke that San Francisco is the only city <laughs> where, where dogs have to worry about stepping in human poo. Um, <laughs> well, it's, well, it's true. It's true. It's also true in L.A. It's true in, in, in Minneapolis to some extent. It's true in a lot of left-wing cities. And, and, you know, where you don't see a homeless, major homeless problem, you go to Miami, for example suddenly, miraculously, in a Republican-run major metropolitan area that, by the way, has fairly decent weather, you don't have the same problem. And it's because they don't put in policies that encourages homelessness because they have run the homeless scam artists, all the people that profit off of more people being out on the street. They don't encourage them. They don't fund them. It's all... I don't want to use the feed the pigeons analogy, but the, the point is that when you think that the problem, the way you solve the problem with homelessness is to hire more high six-figure you know, people to run various homeless mitigation programs, you end up with a bigger problem because the bureaucracy that is out there purporting to help is, becomes in and of itself a self-perpetuating problem. The homeless problem goes away, then people lose their jobs. They lose their funding. It's common sense. So when it comes here to Las Vegas, we, we have to get real. And the answer really is, we had a, once upon a time, there was a great mayor here. And, uh, well, let's, we, we know who he is, right? But we, 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 well, what did we say about this? He said, you know, the uh, best thing is we got plenty of desert. Build a tent camp, put beds in there, ship them off in there. And that's the rule, by the way. That's the federal rule. If you can provide bedding, beds, if you have adequate beds for all the homeless out there, you can remove them from the street, no camping. So that's the solution. And where those beds are, they don't have to, there's no rule that they have to be right in the heart of downtown. In fact, they ought not be. They ought to be in a remote area. And, and that's the truth. And I, th- I think at some point the problem in some of these cities is going to get so bad that even the liberals are going to begin to sound like conservatives. All right, when we come back, uh, Kevin McCarthy met with Biden talking about the debt ceiling uh, limit. You know, there's a big uh, conflagration about that in the Capitol. Will he just bend over and take it like most Republicans? I'll give you my thoughts when we return. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Hi, and welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Now, you know me, of course, from seeing the billboards, uh, Sam and Ash Injury Law. That's right. I am the less good looking of the two lawyers on there. These are the pr- purple billboards that you see around town. It's one of many, many personal injury law firm billboards that you see. And... Um, and yeah, I'm sorry about that. So I'm just going to apologize here and now for you having to endure all the lawyer advertising here in Las Vegas. Um, so I won't beat you over the head with it today. I want to, I want to get to friends. I just you know, it's. I will tell you, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, leader of the Republicans in the House of Representatives, and also now, thankfully, in charge of the House itself by virtue of the slim Republican majority there, he is, uh, he is locked in a bit of a contentious fight with Biden and the rest of the Democrats over raising the debt ceiling. Biden and the Democrats have already been very clear in stating their position, which is, and I'll summarize it, we want you to simply raise the debt ceiling limit. We will not offer any cuts of any kind uh, to to entitlements and such that you know cannot be cut. And that's been their position. End of story. Now, entitlements. By the way, and what, this is what do we mean? We mean the some of these untouchable holy grails uh, of democratic uh, funding. Uh, lore for example uh things related to medicare funding related to medicare uh, uh, other social security for example um what else do we have what various welfare programs right and this is a non-starter for uh for democrats to cut any of these by the way uh historically republicans in congress have proven that those programs can be cut in fact and still uh, maintain quality of care and at the, at the same time balance budgets. We saw this, of course, with uh, with the Republicans in 1994. Newt Gingrich, Contract with America, did a number of cuts uh, that eventually produced a balanced budget and at the same time, uh, arguably, uh, put our country in a better position. So this is this is why the Republicans must hold firm. The question I have, of course, is is uh, will the current Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, hold firm, he had a meeting yesterday with Biden, came out saying he feels optimistic that a deal can happen. Um, But here's McCarthy last night, this is hours after he met with the President, talking to Sean Hannity about, on his TV show, uh, talking about uh, how, why the national debt is the biggest threat to national security.
1: We have watched what the Democrats have done. They brought us inflation. All their movement of all this runaway spending, not just brought us inflation, hurt the supply chain. They changed the policies so people would stay home and not go back to work. The damage that they have done just in the last four years, we have to correct and get us onto a path. Look, anybody will tell you, no matter what study, U.S. general or not, the greatest threat to America is the size of our debt.
0: Well, absolutely. And by the way, this is true for us as individuals, as families, as businesses, right? If you are over leveraged, you have a problem. And we're getting to a place where we're critically over leveraged. Now, Democrats want to just get it their way. McCarthy continues when he talks about what uh, has happened for the last four years and particularly discretionary uh, spending
1: remember the democrats were in power for four years they increased discretionary spending more than 400 billion when republicans were in the majority twice as long for eight years do you know how much the discretionary spending went up zero it went down 10 billion dollars so we have the credibility to make this happen but at 31 trillion dollar debt our debt is larger than our economy and that
0: to put it simply is not a good thing Okay, so I'm just, you know, just letting you know this. Now, he goes on to say, uh, talking about the interest on the debt. By the way, any idea what that is? You know, I mean, some of us have maybe a little credit card debt, and we get a little overwhelmed by what that payment is every month. Imagine being Uncle Sam and having, any, any you any guesses on how big our interest payment is? Here's Kevin McCarthy describing it.
1: The Democrats have spent like there's no tomorrow.
0: That's the wrong one. Here it is. Oh, the no, Democrats
1: have spent like there's no tomorrow. We want to make sure tomorrow's better than today. If nothing happens in the next 10 years, we will well, a trillion trillion just in interest. That's almost a trillion dollars a year in interest.
0: A trillion dollars in interest a year. How's that? Let that sink in. So Democrats, of course, don't want to cut anything. They don't want to cut any of the, any discretionary uh, spending and in particularly not any entitlement spending. And the Republicans are going into this with a mandate, in my view. The, the reason that many of these uh, more conservative members were elected to begin with was because people wanted cuts made and, a, and a, the budget finally balanced. This is a huge fight, and it is a cornerstone fight. So here's what I I think it will happen here. Um, I think that McCarthy will have a very difficult time uh, backing away from from, uh, getting through some degree of cuts. And that's because of all the rule changes he uh, conceded to uh, in his pursuit of becoming Speaker. When I told you that the uh, multiple, multiple rounds of voting that brought about serious concessions uh, by party leadership in the House was a good thing, this is what I meant. You have a handful of very, um, I think, more principled Republicans than Kevin McCarthy who will hold his feet to the fire. So he can't, you know, the best thing you can do going into a negotiation, by the way, with Biden is say, hey, you either give me some cuts and accept some cuts or I'm not going to get anything done because I've got those 30 guys in there in the building holding a gun to my head. And putting the Democrats in that position, by the way, is going to be a, um, I think, a, the, the way you, you gain leverage. So so in my view, I don't think he can back down and get mushy. I don't think he can even organizationally, right, logistically uh, – fold because back behind him are, are folks that will mutiny and ending him making one of the shortest speakers in uh, the history of the house of representatives all right i gotta run that's the music sam orzhovsky the what's
1: right shall be back tomorrow i'll see you then